0: All right, so uh, we're going to be in Ezekiel 38 starting out, and we're going to actually. I've got, if you want to go that, oh, there it is. Uh, I kind of need to go to verse 12, actually, Uh, and uh, I want to start there. And so tonight it's the question, and we're going to talk about that uh, tonight. And so if you would, if you would look at verse 12, we're going to read 12 and 13. (coughs) It says, To take plunder and to take booty to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba the Dan and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lines will say to you, have you come to take plunder? That's the question. Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver, gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? So that's where we're going to start. Uh, We have spoken a lot about this coalition of this army uh, that is going to come against Israel. uh, And we've talked about how it is surrounded. And so then we look and we find the reason for this army coming against is to take plunder. And actually within the Hebrew word plunder means robbery. Okay, it means robbery. So I think that even throws another layer uh, to our understanding when we look at this verse. And so, so what's happening is is that you have Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish, which we're going to talk about here in just a second, they're asking a question. So why are you doing this? You're doing it just to rob them? All right? But this is very significant, Very significant within this prophecy because, first of all, we have to understand who these people are, who these players are. It tells us that it's, you know, up in 12, it says, talks about the waste place. Well, what is it talking about there? Well, it's talking about when they went into exile, when the Jews went into exile, that the place, the the promised land was pretty much a wasteland because the people were taken out of it. But then it tells us that they came back and so they're using things, Ezekiel's using things that they know about. He's talking about, he's talking about livestock. Okay, that's something they would know. That would be, that would be of value uh, uh, to these people. He says, are you coming to take their livestock? All right. And so <clears throat> their goods. And that is a picture of flourishing. So the livestock that is growing, the 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 the, the goods that they're creating, well, that's kind of what it's exactly what has happened in in Israel. The fig tree has rebloomed, and we've talked at length last week about to what degree it has bloomed. And so that is referring back to that. That they're coming because they see the wealth that this small little country. We've got to remember that it's, you know, Georgia is seven times larger, okay, with about the exact same population as Jerusalem. Oh not Jerusalem, as Israel. I'm sorry, misspoke. <coughs> And so, but yet it's created this, this, this economy that is second to none right now in the way in which it's growing in the technology and the innovation. And so that is what that is speaking of. But then we look at 13, and this is really critical, that we, we take a look and see who is this Sheba and Dedan. So let's go to uh, slide two there, Tom, please. Sheba and Dedan is basically Saudi Arabia. It goes back, it's very ancient uh, in, in the way in which we, we get to that. But Sheba and Dedan, Sheba's kind of on the southern part of the Arabian Peninsula. Dedan would be more uh, kind of in the heart, in the desert part, okay, right here. <coughs> and so we had this coalition of forces that we've talked about all through here and even some down in here. But then we have Sheba and Dedan saying, wait a minute. Well, so what's, what's the big issue with that? Well, it's Sunni, it's Islamic, and they're not on the same side as this mass army. They're coming out against it saying, what are you doing? And so we're going to spend some time tonight looking at how this has happened, all right? Because once again, it's one of those things that when we read about it not many years ago, even though the relationship between Saudi Arabia is a lot old, and Israel is a lot older than what I, I first thought, it's really been over about the last 20 years that they have been mending fences. And we're going to talk about why that is the case. So here they are. They're standing on the sidelines. They're not a part of this coalition whatsoever. What they're saying is, whoa, what are you doing? You're just robbing them? And so it's really their own people. That is, that is speaking out against them. Now, we know that up in here is mostly Shiite Muslim, okay? And then we have the extremist up in here, and then all through here, it's all, pretty much all Muslim. But you have this group right here saying, uh-uh, why? Why is this happening? And so we have to look at Saudi Arabia and say, okay, what, what has made Saudi Arabia go from being really an enemy of the state of Israel to being, hey, friendly, well, there's several things that have, that have occurred. And so we're going to look, at, and I'm sure I'm going to miss many of them, but I'm going to give you kind of the big ones that, that we see about right now. Saudi Arabia has kind of woken up and realized that, you know, okay, we keep, we're, we're told that Israel is bad, but it seems to us that they're always reacting to somebody who's attacking them. We really don't see them going out and attacking a whole lot of folks. We just see them reacting to a lot of this. But yet you're telling us that they're bad, but yet all we see is them kind of defending their place. And so Saudi Arabia came out. This I think it was 2006, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and said, "Look, Israel has the right to defend themselves." Well, boy, that made everybody mad. Okay, that w- that was a big that was a big blow uh, <coughs> to the Islamic countries because they finally had an. A partner saying, look, they, they have the right to defend themselves. You know, we're, we're shooting rockets and everything over. And so basically what happened was this. <coughs> the whole philosophy of this region for a long time had been Palestinian versus Israeli. They made it Israeli versus Iranian. They actually put the target where it was at, was Iran, because Saudi Arabia is scared to death of Iran. Saudi Arabia understands that Iran is extremist, and Iran has been part of the problem that they're facing within their own country. Saudi Arabia has got Yemen down here that is a mess. You may have heard these terms before called the Houthis of Yemen. The Houthis. Well, so the Houthis of Yemen are the extremists, the rebels. Of Yemen that have actually pretty much taken over Yemen and they're actually launching attacks into Saudi Arabia. I think last week there was two drone attacks into Saudi Arabia and oil fields where they just sent over and they bombed oil fields in Saudi Arabia. Well, one of the big funders of the Houthis is none other than Iran and another player named North Korea. So North Korea and Iran are two of the big funders of the Houthis down here in Yemen that has really turned this whole Arabian Peninsula kind of upside down. All right. And so Saudi Arabia is looking at this going, okay. So I want to say, I've got it down here somewhere. Oh, and Hezbollah. Hezbollah is the other big funder of the Houthis uh, in uh, Yemen. Then from there, you go up here to Iran and like I said, Iran and Iran and Saudi Arabia have basically been in what they call a cold war for just about 20 years. Uh, they're not officially at war with one another, but they're really working against one another in every way that they possibly can. And that's Saudi Arabia and Iran. You've got to remember that, you know, at the first Gulf War that, you know, we had bases in Saudi Arabia. And actually, Saudi Arabia said, you build them. I mean, we'll build them if you'll, if you'll defend us. Okay, well, they were wanting to be defended from this group right here and this group. And so that was obviously a big problem uh, for the region at that time, was us going into uh, Saudi Arabia. Qatar, which I did not right here. Qatar is a huge supporter of terrorism in the whole region. And so Saudi Arabia is kind of being surrounded here on the, on the southern end of their boot with some pretty bad players. And what they're realizing is that there's a group to the west of them that's just wanting to be left alone. And so they have had some uh, pretty massive meetings dating back to about 2006, in which Saudi Arabia really first came out condemning the Muslim world for their attacks against Israel. But this is the big one, and this is the one we want to talk about. February of 2019, that was this year. Let's go to slide three, please. All right, there was a conference that was held in Warsaw. Okay, there's Pence. There's Netanyahu right there from Israel. That's one of the the crowns uh, of Saudi Arabia, and who knows who the rest of the guys are. Don't really matter. All right, but they met for one reason to come against Iran they wanted to have a conversation about what are we going to do about this Iranian threat All right, now I don't know if y'all noticed this right up here that was the name of it and what I want us to do right now is I want us to flip over I want you to flip over to 1 Thessalonians 5 if y'all would alright we got some scripture here we're going to read 1 Thessalonians 5. We're going to start with verse 1. Just remember that right there. Okay, so reading it, it says this. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. We've talked about that. For when they say peace and safety, okay, peace and safety, Uh, some translations say peace and security, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. And they shall not escape, but you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor the darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as the helmet of hope and salvation. For God did not appoint us to wrath. Okay, for those people that want to talk about the tribulation, this is, this is one of the big um, verses. Verse 9. I'm going to read it again. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. So what are we saying here? <clears throat> when we start talking about pre-tribulation, if, if, you, if a person wants to say, no, we're mid-trib or we're post-trib, then they have to throw verse 9 out. You have to throw verse 9 out because he tells us that we're not to face wrath. The tribulation is wrath. It's judgment. Okay? So that, t- that puts us in our, our timing. For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Okay, so remember we talked about the convergence of sign, right? Remember that? Convergence of sign. Now look, y'all, I promise you whoever put it together had no clue what they were doing because God's hand was moving them, okay? But once again, it's just kind of the foxes on the, on the temple mount. Another, and this just happened in February of this past year where they had this meeting. And it was secretive for a while. And then all of a sudden it, came, it got out on social media, and then they you know, and, and to be honest with you, uh, there was a group, obviously of the coalition that was very upset about that, that that got out, I mean, or that they were meeting, because it was all about Iran. Because Saudi Arabia is scared to death that Iran is going to move south on them into the oil fields and take over the oil. That's it. The other thing they're scared to death of is the, um, the nuclear capabilities that they potentially have because they really believe that that would be one of the moves that they would make would be to move south against them just to take plunder. All right, got to remember that. Now look, as I'm telling you, I've been getting blown up all day with with notifications. You know, uh, over the last couple of days, the Israeli Air Force has bombed several targets in Iraq. Okay, Iranian targets in Iraq. You know who had to get permission to do that through? United States, because United States troops are in Iraq. And from what I've read, some of the attacks were at the basis where we had troops, but they were so precision because the Iraqis have a tendency to play both sides of the fence. All right? One just happened just a couple of hours ago. So see, when we talk about the players, they're all there. It's a, it's a flashpoint right now that we're at. So <clears throat> Saudi Arabia has really got uh, this issue. And, and so they have had these private meetings. And matter of fact, they, they have supposedly signed a few treaties with Israel in which they're going to share intelligence. Wow. To share intelligence. Uh, uh, I think it was about a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, Saudi Arabia opened up its airspace to Israel where commercial planes could fly into Saudi Arabia from Israel. Well, that was never heard of in years past. All right, so it's just it's been a slow process that the kingdom has inched its way closer to Israel. Dedan, Sheba, what are you doing? You're taking booty? Why? But they're not a part of it. All right? Then we move on down in, into uh, 38, and I want to read... Uh, uh, give me one second here, 13, it says Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of uh, Tarshish, all right, so we're going to talk about Tarshish here just a little bit, there are people that want to try to weave the United States into the young lines of Tarshish, I, d- I don't believe that's the case, and I'm going to give you some scripture uh, for that, Okay, uh, I want, first of all, I want you to realize or understand that Tarsus is one of those ancient um, places that have kind of vanished a little bit from, from the history books, but we have ideas, we have an understanding of kind of where it's at. The first thing we have to understand is it's west. Just remember that. All right. Uh, also, Tarsus is found 24 times in the Bible. It's found 24 different times. We know that if you want to go to... I'm not going to go there, but if you want to go to Genesis 10:4, it will give you genealogy uh, where Tarshish was a descendant of uh, one of Noah's sons, uh, Japheth. Okay, who who he settled west. Uh, Isaiah, I don't know if I've let's see Isaiah um, 69. I think I've got that. Let me look here. Let me look this up real quick. I've got Isaiah. There it is, 69. It says this, Surely the coastline shall wait for me, and the ships of Tarshish will come first. So we know that they were a maritime power. West, okay? West. Now, a lot of folks believe that Tarshish was either off part of Spain or Great Britain. Uh, I think we, we can go to the, to the next one. Nope. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go back to two, Tom. My bad. I'm sorry. Go back to, to two if you can. There we go. So right up here is Tarshish. And so it could be off the coast of Spain or off uh, in Great Britain. And you say, okay, you're talking about this, but here's where the conflict's at, but you're talking about people over here. Well, we're going to get there in just a second. I'm going to show you how, how this has all transpired. But there's also um, some other... Um, Prophecy, if you'll go over, I know I'm kind of bouncing around. So Isaiah tells us it's maritime. If you go to, uh, to Ezekiel 27, 27 12 says this Tarshish was your merchant because of your many luxury goods. They gave you silver, iron, tin, lead for your goods. Silver, iron, tin, and lead. Now, we know that the Phoenicians and the Romans exported tin and lead from the British Isles, okay, from the British Isles, and that was really about the only place in the ancient, it was found, so that, that's another thing that kind of leads us to that area. Now, look, none of this are, are deal breakers or game changers or anything like that. What I'm trying to do is give you all the information that I have, just so you say, who is this? The other thing is where it talks about the young lines, the young lines. Leads us to believe that it was a it was a it was a colonial power that they colonized, all right. Which we know that Great Britain uh, was one uh, that did that. Now, one of the best ones is found over in Jonah. If you go to Jonah one, all right, one three, um, real quick, you have the story of Jonah, and guess where Jonah fled to. Verse 3, but Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa. Okay? Now, the map, Joppa, is basically right there. So which is the only way you can sail? West. Okay? So he left from from Joppa and went to Tarshish. That's where Jonah went. All right? Went west. So that lets us know... Once again, the, pointing in a direction. The other thing, the young lions. We know one of the emblems of the of, of Great Britain is the lion. Is a lion. Some people try to throw the United States in there. Don't believe it. Okay, just don't believe it. So, <clears throat> now what was really cool about this? A couple of years ago, I was doing a study on this, and we did it. Uh, I was doing it through Facebook Live. And so I was getting ready to, to, uh, to go on and talk about this. And the moment, I mean, right before I did, I just, one last time I Googled uh, Tarshish. Ten hours prior to that, Great Britain had just opened a naval base in Bahrain. Where's Bahrain? Right in the middle of all of it. They have been thrown out of the Persian Gulf for 45 years. They have got a naval base in Bahrain right now uh, that is manned by 10 ships, uh, and it's there full time. So now Great Britain is in the region. So if we kind of put together, you have potentially Saudi Arabia saying, what are you doing? You have Great Britain who's got its powers there, and if you've heard of anything, all the tankers and all the problems that we're having right now uh, being seized, the Iranians are are kind of rattling their sabers a little bit over here. There's a British naval presence in Bahrain, so I thought that was that was pretty cool. It puts us it, it, it puts everybody that we're talking about in the region together, and that's once goes back goes back to the whole idea of um, convergence of sign. So now we go back to. Ezekiel 38. And we're going we're gonna to continue reading here just a little bit. And I'm going to show you some stuff I thought that was really, uh, really very interesting. All right. So we're going to be at 14. We're at verse 14. It says, Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God. So remember, we say we've got to pay attention, right? Thus says the Lord God. On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. Uh, remember, he's using what he knows. So we have this huge army that is totally surrounded, all right? and they're going to come out of the north because we know that's where Magog, that's, that's where it's, uh, the majority is. Not the majority, but we're the first uh, coalition peace falls out of the north and Rosh. You're going to come out of the north with this mighty army. Watch this 16. You will come up against my people, Israel, like a cloud to cover the land. It will be in the latter days that I will bring you against my land. So I'm bringing you against my land. I'm moving you towards me. Why? To wake up his people. Remember that. To wake up his people, the Jews. My land, so that the nations may... And there it is, right there. Uh, So that the nations may know me when I am hallowed in you, O God, before their eyes. All right? (laughs) So, like a cloud... Uh, go to slide four, Tom, if you don't mind. This I, I thought this was really good. I think that's two right there. Okay, Israeli miracle, Gaza Strip, Hamas complains their God changed the path of our rockets in midair. Okay, uh, there was uh, uh, there was a huge rocket attack. Now this has been several years ago. Huge rocket attack. Uh, and they just sent all sorts of rockets into Israel, uh, and I want to say the number was six that was actually killed out of all the hundreds of rockets that were actually fired. All right. Now, what I want to do is I want to read. To, I want to read for you an excerpt, all right, from one of the um, one of the men that was dealing with the Iron Dome. Okay, the Iron Dome is the Israeli missile defense system that we just purchased. The United States just purchased. All right. So here they are saying, they're complaining that their God's changing the direction of the rockets. We don't stand a chance if that's happening, okay? All right, first of all, everybody ought to listen, but obviously they don't. So let's go to slide five, and then I'm going to read this for you just a little bit, if I can blow it up big enough where I can read it. All right, so their God changed the path of our rockets in midair, said a terrorist, reports of divine intervention in the Gaza war. All right, so now listen to this. Some more claims of divine intervention are being reported in the ongoing conflict between Israel and Hamas with an operator of the Israeli Iron Dome missile defense system saying he personally witnessed the hand of God diverting an incoming rocket out of harm's way. This was a fascinating report. Now let me jump on down. It says Israel today translated this report from Hebrew saying this. uh, The Iron Dome battery failed three times to intercept the rocket. The rocket was headed towards their Pentagon. All right? And they know that the rocket was within, because of its accuracy, was within 200 meters. They knew that it would fall within 200 meters of the designated spot. And this eyewitness said this a missile was fired from Gaza's Iron Dome, the Iron Dome precisely calculated. We know. Uh, where these missiles are going to land down to a radius of 200 meters. This particular missile was going to hit basically their Pentagon. I can't pronounce the word. Uh, and hundreds would have died. Matter of fact, it was so it was they, were so scared they went ahead and alerted the authorities that there was casualties. All right. <clears throat> said, we fired the first interceptor. It missed. Second interceptor. It missed. This is very rare. I was shocked. At that point, we had just four seconds until the missile landed. We had already notified emergency service to converge on the target location and had warned of mass casualty incidents. Suddenly, the Iron Dome, which calculates wind speed, among other things, shows a major wind coming from the east, a strong wind that blew the missile into the ocean. Okay? All right. Now I read that and got goosebumps. All right? So you don't think God's got this thing figured out? Look at this. I, I saw this when this happened. This was two years ago. Uh, click click the next one. Okay. All right. Well, okay. I don't have this in my notes, but I, I know where I'm at. But this is what Amos said. So we figured out how we, can, how, we can, uh, uh, how we can beat the Iron Dome. we got to shoot between 40 and 50 missiles per second. We just got to overwhelm them. Remember the cloud that we talked about in Ezekiel? Come on us like a cloud. The army like a cloud. Well, they have have enough missiles to do something like that, where they could shoot such a cloud that would create a cloud. It would be like a swarm of bees coming at them, all right? And this is what they're saying. We just got to shower them with enough missiles. We can't do it one at a time. Uh, Last night, there was one missile fired, and it landed out in the middle of the desert, and no telling how many uh, bad guys were killed because the IDF attacked them, okay? That was last night. All right, go to the next one. Did anybody see this picture? The sandstorm that happened? Okay, this is back in 2016 when ISIS had pushed up right up to the Golan Heights. And so they were afraid that ISIS was getting ready to attack the Golan Heights. And then all of a sudden, this dust storm and sandstorm came up. And it came to the border of Israel and set. These are Israeli soldiers taking pictures. That is the border right there. And set there and stopped ISIS from making another push in too. That was the Golan Heights. All right, click to the next one. Wow. That's a wall. And then one more. And they said that the edge of the dust storm was precisely on the border. Okay? Oh. Oh. Oh, it, it, you know, whenever you read this stuff, remember we just, you know, folks, it's just, to me, we read it and we like, oh. and we see these things. Obviously, we don't hear about this stuff. We have to dig, we have to dig uh, to to find it because it's happening in another place, in another world that most people don't care about. You got to understand that. Most people don't care about. <clears throat> and for us, it's, it's, it's so important. Uh, and we're going to, We're going to talk about that. All right, so 15, I think I just read this. Uh, Okay, yeah, 15 and 16 talks about many rockets, or not many rockets, but they will come on like a cloud. So there's a possibility. Remember, you know, I I mean, uh, Ezekiel's having to use what he sees. And so a cloud, he could understand a a mass cloud coming. He couldn't understand a mass of rockets or a mass of tanks or anything like that. He had to use what he, what, you know, what God used to show to him. And then let's jump down <clears throat> and, um, to 18, the judgment on Gog. <clears throat> this is thirty-eight, eighteen. It says, and it will come to pass at that same time when God comes against the land of Israel, says the Lord God, that my fury will show in my face. That's pretty clear. For in my jealousy and in the fire of my wrath I have spoken. Surely in the day there shall be great earthquake in the land of Israel. Now look at this. So that the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, and the beasts of the fields, all creeping things that creep on the earth, and all men who are on the face of the earth, shall shake at my presence. Okay. Shake at his presence. So that means that they know that God is there. The mountains shall be thrown down, the steep places shall fall, and every wall shall fall to the ground. I will call for the sword against Gog throughout all of my mountains, says the Lord God. Every man's sword will be against his brother. So what's going to happen? You have this huge army. It's coming on. It's coming on Israel. There's no way, no way that Israel can defend itself. But God's fury is in his face, and he decides to take control. And his plan is is that there's going to be such a shaking that occurs that the fear will be so great that the armies will turn on each other, and they will destroy themselves along with the other things that God has in store for them. Okay? Why is he doing that? So his people will know that he is God. God because I'll know that no other way it could have happened except by God's hand coming in and saving them from imminent doom. All right? And I will bring him to judgment with pestilence and bloodshed. I will rain down on him on his troops and on many people who are with him. Flooding rain, great hailstones, fire, brimstones, Thus I will magnify myself and sanctify myself, and I will be known in the eyes of many nations. Then they shall know that I am the Lord, Yahweh, not Adonai. I'm your friend. I was Adonai a few verses earlier. I was ruler. I'm your friend here. Yeah, sure. Nope. Okay, great question. Okay, do not confuse, okay? That's great. Do not confuse the Ezekiel 38 war, okay, and Armageddon. Two totally different, two totally different wars, okay? Now, <clears throat> we're going to give you our best understanding. The rapture of the church will be prior to the Ezekiel 38. Prior to. Could be at the same time but Prior to. And the reason we say that is because it tells us in Scripture that it will come against what? Unwalled cities and that my people will be living safely. All right. Now, what's going to create an atmosphere in which Israel, even though they're living pretty safely right now, okay? But let's think a little bit here. What's going to create a situation in which they feel like they're totally at peace? There's a thing called a peace agreement that the Antichrist brings from forward. Remember, he gives them back, he gives them back what? The temple mount, so they can have sacrifices. Everybody's happy. So, at that point in time, we could see it happen there, but the one thing that I think that the, that the thing that we should focus on is this, is that the events that we see in Ezekiel 38, alright, happen after the rapture of the church, And whatever way that that works out. The rapture of the church happens. We've got to get to this. Then you have the, the you have the tribulation, the seven years of tribulation. Now, really, the first three and a half years, he's going to be the we will be gathering together and settling everybody down because obviously, let's think about you know, I, I, I believe okay, through the people that I study that the reason why the United States is not in in a prophecy, and Steve asked this question is because. <laughs> Think about where our country is right this second, and you take out the moral compass. You take out 35 to 45 million people out tomorrow. Where would, where would the politics go to? Where would the laws run to? Right? So now all of a sudden you've got mass chaos here, so we're no good to anybody because of all the problems that we have here. We just become another issue. Okay? And that's where I stand with it. And that's where I believe that's why we're not around because the moral compass is boom gone. You got to remember Europe and all those. It's less one percent Christian. So you take those folks out. There's not going to be that. I mean, there's going to be the restrainer is still restraining, but there's going to be that. That's gone. All right. When that's gone, you, we know it's going it's, to it's hell on earth at that point in time. Then you have the tribulation that occurs. Then at the three and a half year mark, then we have. <clears throat> Uh, when things really get bad, and at the end is Armageddon, which that is the, the the second coming when Jesus comes in and makes it all right. Okay, and then the millennial reign. We, we we'll get to that at some sometime. Who knows when? Okay. All right. So the last thing I want to go to. All right. Jump over to uh Ezekiel thirty-three. That'd be to the left in your Bible. <clears throat> thirty-three, six. Let's start there. This is why, y'all. This is why this is so important right here. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, the sword comes and takes any person from among among them. He is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. Seven. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked from his ways. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn a wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity. But you have delivered your soul. So what does that tell us to be? A watchman on the wall. See, we're not allowed to put our head in the sand because, because. It tells us right there that we are held accountable. We are held accountable to the knowledge that we have been given. And that it's our job, however much time we have left, whether it be seconds or whether it be years, to tell people about it. We're commanded to do that as a watchman on the wall. I hope you understand that what we're seeing play out is not just some news in some foreign land that really does not affect us. Because what it is, it's this God showing us exactly the plan that he wrote thousands, thousands of years ago. And it should be encouraging to us to see it play out. It's not scary. It's not sorrowful. It's exciting because it's our blessed hope. Bow our head, Heavenly Father.